3: difficult. <laughs> well, it's been a bit difficult all year, hasn't it? Yeah, no, it hasn't been that difficult. Oh. Today's been difficult. Okay. Well, I sort of almost tried to have a day off today. But you didn't? No, I kind of did, really, but I didn't know what to do. I never really know what to do with myself when I have a day off, so. Okay. I did end up going to a, a sort of work meeting that I could have, I didn't have to be at. Right. Um and responding to a few working emails. You seem like the kind of person to me
1: that finds it difficult to relax. Yes.
3: I did have a wank. <laughs> <laughs> I did, though. Did that
1: help you to relax?
3: <laughs> did you read The Day in the Life of... I put it up on Facebook... The guy, I can't remember no. what his name is. He's the actor in Us. I uh, don't know. It's just it's such a brilliant one because he's like saying, you know, like usually it's like, wake up at five, go to the gym, eat a raw green salad, have meetings with my producer. Like it was like the opposite of that. It's like, <laughs> wake up at three, find my way to the toilet, <laughs> then... Cuddle a pillow for hours, listening to Radio 4 quietly. Get up. Phone my producer. Oh, is he not in? Okay. I'll ring back tomorrow. And then, like, listen to the radio. Go for a walk. Have a wank. (laughs) He wrote that. (laughs) And then it was just like, cook some dinner. Eat too much. (laughs) <laughs> and then it was like that. It was just like no. <laughs> that. I can't remember what his
1: name, is. Uh okay. Uh that sounds amazing. Uh, so what you're saying, is that your like your life at the moment? It sounds like my life at the moment. It was like that today, yeah. Right. Um Well, as you've already had a wank, shall we start the show?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well what you didn't want me to do it on air. <laughs> No this week. No. <laughs> We've got too much material for that. Uh,
1: okay, great. <laughs> Welcome to What? That old Queen? A candid and adult take on queer life quandaries at a certain age. So please listen at your own discretion. Presented by Bernie and Tommy, their views are their own and in no way reflect those of any service you may hear this program on. Now, let your ears be upstanding for the (coughs) old uh, queen. Having another little dance, were not you? <laughs> Just a little, yeah. Well, I don't get to hear the music very often, right yeah. Well, get used to it. You're hearing it, you're hearing it all the time now. <laughs> um, so how's, how's your fortnight
3: been? I don't know what I've been doing. Working hard. I've been trying to um, go back to the gym. So I've been doing body pump and body balance. What what does body balance entail? I've never heard of that before. It's a combination of Tai Chi, which is just weird, in my opinion, of wishing your arms around. Okay. um, And yoga and a bit of Pilates thrown in to the music of Celine Dion.
1: (laughs) Why is
3: it <laughs> is it specifically to the music of Celine Dion? You can't have anybody else's music. No, it's not. It, oh. it, they haven't actually played Celine Dion, but it's that sort of type of music. Oh, okay. Yeah. You also did a performance I did with oh. li- real real live people.
1: Real live people, and a real live audience. Yeah.
3: At the Bristol Old Vic. It was like a dream, almost. It was a, it was a massive space. Yeah. You know, before COVID, I don't think I could have had access to this place. Now, now, now you've got it. Yeah, and, and it wasn't really me. You know, it was my alter ego, Annette Curtains. Yeah, show. I was. I just write the emails for her. <laughs> <laughs>
1: she's one of your multiple personalities isn't she
3: yeah which is the major one and in actual fact the reality is she's very much like me I I felt that the day after when I was waiting for Ryan to come home from his dalliances cooking him a breakfast (gasps) oh Ryan my my assistant Ryan your little tech
1: guy uh, who also performs in the show yeah Um, he's more than the tech yeah totally yeah He's he's a linchpin. He's a <laughs> he's definitely something. And what news? So one of our previous guests, Darren Jakarta yes. of Pride fame, mm. has been um, given an MBE or will be given an MBE by the Queen, by
3: the real Queen, not two old Queens. And have we been invited to the ceremony? I imagine so. I, have you been to Buckingham Powell? N- no not recently i went last year did you yeah were you given a cbe i was given a a lot of canapes (laughs) by the queen (laughs) no the queen wasn't there Uh, prince charles was there but he was guided into the room and sort of moved around the room and he was definitely orchestrated into who he was going to speak to and it wasn't going to be me right okay what what was that for it was for, um, so I'm a trustee of Trinity Arts, um, and they received funding from the Garfield Western Foundation. And so they were having a bit of a, Garfield Western was having a bit of a shindig, and Prince Charles is the patron of that foundation. And so they invited, you know, organizations that have received funding from Garfield. And you thought, why not? Well, they said, who wants to go? And I'll be like, uh, well, I'm not doing anything that night. <laughs>
1: So, if you were to be given, like, a title, mm. what would you like? I'd quite like to be the count of something. I think it
3: would suit you. Yeah. Um, and I would like to be the dowager. <laughs> yeah, you said this. I didn't know this was, like, a thing. Uh, I thought it was just, like, a derogatory term. <laughs> I mean, it does sound quite derogatory, doesn't it? Mm. I don't think it's... So what does it sound like? Da- well, it's da- like I Dowdy. think my my nan Is had a dowager's hump, because I think a dowager, I think that's quite glamorous in a way. So uh, you know, d- like a lot of ballet dancers get that hump, don't they? So it's younger. like a
1: dowager duchess. But well, I don't. What does it mean? Well, I don't know. I'm not the expert. Oh, okay.
3: Do you do you just think it's an older lady who's a widow or isn't married at all? Um, I think they they've got some. S- some sort of lineage into the into the crown. Right. Um they are unmarried and they are in possession of a fortune of some description.
1: Okay. Well, I'd definitely like to be in possession of a fortune of some description. Mm. <laughs> Does that come along with the title, do you think? No. I mean I would that would be my first question if someone offered me an MBE. It's just like, do I get any cash? No.
3: Oh. But oh, you okay. can ask Darren that. I, I will ask him.
1: I mean, maybe we can pawn it or something. He lap, gets it. Good luck with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, before I get myself into any more trouble, should we see if there's a, an MBE in the Cabinet of Curiosities? Why not? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's see.
3: Need to foil that door. I'm just going to put on my um, protective gloves. Yes.
1: <laughs> well, we might need a visor for this room, actually.
3: <laughs> I feel sorry for all the people that work in archives at the moment. Um, why? Oh, sort of social distancing. Yeah. R- rules apply. You know, and they're you're always very confined spaces anyway. Right. right. Yeah. So you could probably just fit half a person in a in a room. Part time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it's only only needs one at a time, right?
3: Yeah, it's just me and you in here. Yeah.
1: So yeah, that's fine. We're like one entity. Have you have you picked anything up? I've chosen. From, have you? <laughs> okay. What have you got for us?
3: Um Nicholas Biddle. Uh, An early explorer of America found in 1806 among the militaries, which is a Native American tribe, that if a boy shows any symptom of effeminacy or girlish inclinations, he is put amongst the girls, dressed in their way, brought up with them, and sometimes married to men. Sounds about right seems fair enough (laughs) i think so (laughs) what did you did you used to play all the girls games at school always
1: yeah i was yeah i was i think i would that would have definitely happened to me if i was in a Mm. an indian tribe
3: did you have a did you have dolls
1: yes um so we had action men but we also had a couple of cindy dolls which i think action men were meant to have sex with My action men seem to have sex with each other. I don't know why.
3: (laughs) (laughs) My, we, we had action men, but we also had the Abba dolls. The Abba dolls? Yeah. I think I missed out on this, but Abba dolls. And we, so my brother would do all the, uh, the action men would go off to war. And then in the evening they'd come back to camp and Abba would do a show for them. (laughs) Does your mother know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. <laughs> have you still got your
3: Abba dolls? I've got Benny. Okay. He was the cute one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See the one with the beard? Well, they've both got beards, haven't they? Oh, yeah, I guess they have. Yeah.
1: yeah. I always liked Action Man with a Beard, obviously. Right. What? I'm going to do
3: another one? Or are what? You gonna do, oh, you can do another one what? if what? you want. Yeah. Uh, what are we going to No, No, go on, you do it. All right, then. <laughs> You're very coquettish tonight. <laughs> um, Uganda had a king, King Mugwanda um, II, who reigned from 1884 to 1888 and is widely reported to have an affairs with his male servants.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because last year, Ugandan politicians were
3: pushing through the death penalty for mm. gay men. Is, is Uganda still a country? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I did. I, th- I think. Oh, I'm, I'm not sure if I know that. what I'm saying. Forget it.
1: Okay. Uh, well, I can give you a little bit of history. So, so this king died in 1888. In 1894, which is six years later, is when it became illegal to be gay, to be a gay man. And it was illegal to be a gay woman from the year 2000. Mm. And then they wanted the death penalty last year. So I think they might have to remember their history somewhat, don't you? I think we need to write them a letter. (laughs) From the old queens. Like, tell them to sort themselves out. Um, Yeah. Okay. Well, I've got a little trinket here. So the oldest surviving LGBT organisation in the world is in the Netherlands, and it was called the Centre for Culture and Leisure, the COC. It was founded in 1946, and it it used a cover name, i.e. the Centre for Culture and Leisure, to mask its taboo purpose.
3: And what was everyone doing in there?
1: (laughs) Culture and leisure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's what happens in gay venues all over the world, right? Culture and leisure.
3: Leisure where
1: perhaps. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I might move on to this. Next. Look, this one's got, it's, it's like almost like a star. Well, it is a star. It's a blue star. And this little label says, while many know the handkerchief code, which we've spoken about before mm. on this show, it was popular for gay women to wear blue stars on their wrists in the 1950s and the 1970s to identify themselves in clubs. What happened in the 1960s?
3: I don't know. <laughs> was it a different star? But that just reminds me of... So when I do some, when I've done research for LGBT history projects, mm. I've interviewed older lesbians. Yeah. They always come up with this thing like, and she was a gold star lesbian. Oh. And that meant she'd never had sex with a man. Yeah, well, that's the same thing as being
1: a gold star gay, isn't it? Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. That means you've never had sex with a woman. And if you're a platinum gay, it means you were born by cesarean section and never had sex with a woman.
3: That's me. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Are you platinum?
1: Platinum. I'm just gold. You're always better than me and everything.
3: <laughs> but I thought platinum was worse than
1: gold. No, it's always been over gold, hasn't it? Oh, is it? I don't know. I think it's cheaper than gold these days. Or maybe it isn't. Anyway. They can Google
3: it later. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it should be Blue Star. Blue star, lesbian. Mm.
3: Carmilla, mm. a story of a lesbian vampire that preyed on young women, was written 25 years before Dracula. Which reminds me of a show by Split Riches, a lesbian duo, mm. um, called Lesbians That Kill. Oh. I've never seen that show, but I, I bet they talk about Carmilla in it. Yeah, there's another. There's like a web series called Dracula as well, isn't
1: there? Which is like American. I wonder if they talk about Carmilla.
3: Car- it's Carmilla. Oh, not yeah. There's an R there. Uh, Carmilla. Yeah. There's a. I think that there's just a lot of
1: queerness in vampires. Oh, it's totally. It's very homoerotic as well, isn't it? In in terms of like, Interview with the Vampire and and even Dracula. In many respects,
3: what's the lesbian erotic for homoerotic? Um, I think you just said it, or is it just homoerotic? No, because it's that means it's.
1: I think homosexual is a term for both male and female, it's isn't it? True. So yeah, homoerotic is probably. There's been a lot of lesbian vampire films, right?
3: I haven't seen very many, but uh, I've led a very sheltered life. <laughs> We're starring
1: in one right now. Um, <laughs> anyway, I've got this like, Celtic kind of band thing, and it says, in uh, Ancient Celtic men openly preferred male lovers. Did you know that? According to Diodorus in the first century BC, he wrote, Young men will offer themselves to strangers and are insulted if the offer is refused. I don't blame them. Sex between them is very likely an important bonding ritual.
3: When we're saying Celtic, what are we talking about? Scottish or Irish or um, ancient, like
1: Britons? I would have thought. Yeah, so like Welsh and Scottish Mm. and Irish—that's all Celtic,
3: isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Do you think that's still the rule? Well, we could try it out. (laughs) Shall we? Shall we? Is Wales uh, is Wales currently open
1: Mm. to visitors? Not sure. We're on different lockdown rules, aren't we? We might have to wait until over after um, COVID. To I test do us feel
3: up. a very strange affinity with the Welsh. Do you? Mm-hmm. I mean, I am. There is Welsh in my heritage, right? But every time I go there, I just think I'm more Welsh than I than I think I am. In what respect? You like leeks? I do like leeks, actually, mm. with the cheese sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like daffodils. <laughs> can we
1: just pick out all of the
3: stereotypical things that rugby I just like the beauty of the beauty of the landscape yeah, the sort of folklore um it the is sense of the more sort of s- strong sense of community
1: it is beautiful i spent a week in pembrokeshire last month and i can, i have to say everyone was so friendly like you'd be walking around and people would just say hello to you yeah even in covid times uh, and it's the sort of thing you don't get in the city, do you? No. Uh, I have to. I have to say, I didn't run into any Celtic men that wanted to have sex with me at that point, and was offended when I said no.
3: But is is it because they only do it with other Celtic men? Mm, maybe. Yeah. Oh well. Have you got anything else for us? Um, I've got this one about the ancient Roman historian Plutarch wrote the Great Mother. Oh yeah. Who was an intersex deity? depicted in both sets, with, with both sets of genitals. Oh, right. Um, her sacred priestess, mm. as found in the earliest civilizations of Babylon, and Akkad, were eunuchs and trans women. Is that how you say that? Akkad?
1: Akkad? Akkad?
3: Yeah. So the
1: sac- her sacred priestesses of the Great Mother were found in the earliest civilizations of Babylonia. Okay, and they were eunuchs or trans women? Um, yeah, because there's a lot, I think, a lot of ancient kind of religions, like the original deity was both male and female. And they've even, a lot of kind of scholars have said that even in the Judeo-Christian Bible, um, it's been translated wrong. It wasn't like God was never particularly him. Mm. It, they were they, they were both male and female. That's mm. interesting, isn't it? How it's it's, over the years, it's just been... Well, it's the patriarchy for you. It's the patriarchy, yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, I'm going to go back to Roman times myself. And one of the first Roman emperors, Aglagalbalus, <laughs> <laughs> which is easy for you to say, could have been transgender. Before dying at the age, tender age of 18, it was reported that the emperor had married a male athlete and would go out disguised. As a sex worker or lady of the night, prostitute. Mm. You do that sometimes, don't you? Well, not in recent months. Okay. <laughs> not since lockdown <laughs> eased a bit, no?
3: Uh, no. no. No, I've uh, been staying in. Okay, great. Uh, you got one more? In Egypt in 1503 BC, mm. before Corona. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the days. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Hatchisput. Hatchisput. Hatchiput. she Hatchiput. <laughs> Had she? I don't know. <laughs> Became the second world woman to rule and choose to take the title of king. She donned male's clothing and wore a false beard. And I bet she looked pretty good in it.
1: I reckon so. I mean, she sounds like an act for Annette Curtin's next show.
3: I mean, it could have been had she beard she put rather than had she put (laughs) had beard she put
1: yes she had (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think Miss Timberlina would approve of that Um, I've got one more Pope Sixtus not quite sure why he was called Sixtus maybe he only had Sixtus inches the fourth (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of the 1400s, was reported to have legalized sodomy during the sum- summer months. That's quite nice, isn't it? I would have thought that you would want it in the winter months. Wow! Well, I, uh, I mean, it's everyone gets a bit hot and bothered in the summer months, right? Yeah, it's true. Well, I mean, really, you should have it all year round, uh, like the rest of us. But, um, but I mean, it's nice that he was doing it for the summer. We call cool for the, what's that song? We are call cool for the summer. <laughs> After the boys of summer have gone. <laughs> Is that what they were writing about? <laughs> it's so sad that song, isn't it? Oh uh, yeah. Mm. Um but yeah, maybe it's dedicated to Pope Sixtus. The fourth. <laughs> but how many Sixtuses do you think there were? Six.
3: What's he called? The Pope of the Sixtus? He's
1: called Pope Sixtus. <laughs>
3: the fourth
1: I don't don't get it either Pope Sextus more like yeah dirty bitch Mm. (laughs) anyway on that note I think maybe we need to close the cabinet of Curier Um, so yeah that door is
3: still a bit creaky
1: maybe the cleaner needs to come in here as well
3: I think she'd have a field day in here.
1: Right. It's like an episode of Hoarders Buried Alive. <laughs> right, so the Cabinet of Curiosities is closed for another week.
3: Have you uh, seen the um, Dolly Parton documentary on Netflix? No, I need to watch it uh, I, so we can I'm talk just about it. I'm listening to myself in this microphone. And she talks about how um, 9 to 5, how she came up with the song, 9 to 5. Mm. I don't know if I can do it, but she, it's, it's about her clicking her nails together. Right. And that sort of... Oh, yes. I, do you know what? I think I have seen that
1: documentary.
2: Yeah.
3: Can you hear that? Yeah. And that's what gave her the idea. Of, and then she thought, oh, that sounds a bit like a typewriter.
1: What are you saying? You can hear my false teeth clattering, and that's what's <laughs> reminded you of the beginning of Nine to Five. No, because
3: I can hear everything in this microphone. I was like, I wonder if that, can make that sound. <laughs> anyway, we've got a guest coming up. Yes. Joey Hateley, uh, Hatley, um, the gender joker. Great. Live artist extraordinaire.
1: Yeah. So I look forward to talking to them. Um, Shall we have a little break? While we wait for them to arrive in the throw room? Yes. Okay, great. We'll have a little break and we'll be back after.
2: One
3: size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
0: Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt.
3: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: If you're enjoying What That Old Queen, please share our episodes on social media and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen on. If you can write a review, that would also help expand our audience too. We don't have any advertising or sponsorship, so if you can contribute to our Patreon account or help us by buying some merch, the links are in the episode description below or on our website, thatoldqueen.com. Thank you for your continued support. So we're back, oh. and we've got a guest. Who's our guest, Tommy? Tommy.
3: Joey Hatley or Hateley. you say Hatley.
0: Yeah, hate it's the opposite of lovely. Yeah.
3: So it's Hatley.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's Joey Joey is kind of my birth name of choice being trans and it but there's only one Joey Hatley ever on the internet. But there's been quite a few Josephs and Johns and there's a history of Haley in the Midlands I've been recently finding out about. Uh but yes it, I used to hate it, but uh you used to hate, some I hate people Lee. think I've chosen it. oh yes, I've yeah, so, chosen it on purpose to be political. is it not chosen or something, then?
1: but is, is it your real name?
0: yeah, hates Lee Yeah.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's fine, I hate I Lee know as well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no Lee, like hates Lee, L-E-Y I so know, I'm joking Hate me but, like, in effect, Yeah, essentially it means, it means the same thing, doesn't it, really? In a way and You kind of go, oh, I must be careful to be lovely To everybody Because my name's Right <laughs> Marsh ham as well You know, everybody Everybody grows up with Like named kind of calling at school and, you know.
1: Yeah, try growing up being called called Well, Bernard was not a good name for a working-class boy in Chatham. Uh, (laughs) It was like everyone else was called Kev
0: or Martin or Dave. (laughs) I think I have a great – it's a bit of an old-fashioned name because my great-uncle was called Bernard, I think.
1: Mm, I like it. I've I've never hated it, but it was it was kind of difficult <laughs> as a teenager. But Joey, tell us what you do, because some of our listeners might not know
0: what I do. Well, I guess I've always done theatre and uh, performance from forever, and when I was a kid, and in theatre artists when I was younger with. Double-breasted theatre company, and then with the genderqueer kind of boy trans um, development, I set up transaction theatre company, and I've been doing loads of different political kind of collaborative arts projects ever since.
3: I yeah. was gonna, I was going <laughs> to ask you about your um your pronouns on your Twitter it says that you um, are Herm or they. Can you tell us about yeah. that? Yeah. Because it's, uh, it's not the expression that you can I've
0: heard. Yeah, I love to make it fun, um, but I just get called he, you know, all the time because it's just, you get to say what your preference is, it's really nice, uh, but it's not very practical in, in the real world, which is part of my gender journey that's about the work that I've made as well, I suppose, and it's it's about you know being an old queen in different ways uh, that that mean that you pass or you don't pass um, in different situations. And uh, for me, I, I for most of my life I've had a a muz on my passport or my driver's license or cards, and people have nearly called the police because they have uh, thought I was a, you know impersonating someone else. So. Mm. Uh, that in itself is performance, and and doing loads of drag king stuff, um, and entering the world of what was lesbian part of the whole the whole kind of subcultural journey, I suppose that we create our own artwork from in different ways. And that I mean, I've done drama um, teaching uh, in schools when I was when I was younger, it, before Clause twenty eight and and so on. But uh, yeah, the world's the world's changed in the.
3: In those twenty-five years, a lot that herm feels very connected to, you know, the identity of being a gender joker, which you've titled yourself as. I wondered how, you know, how your how your because gender is fluid and our ideas of gender have changed in, in recent years, and I wondered how your your relationship to to pronouns and how you how you identify yourself yeah, has changed. That's-
0: I've always seen myself as being a tomboy and somewhere in the middle and that is what I've physicalized about myself being a female man so I'm I've just stuck a bit of testosterone in my ass and had a a breast reduction so we all perform our gender in different ways um and I'm purposefully in the middle because that reflects kind of how I feel but that's quite different than a lot of old school trans men or women that you know still fighting to be accepted mm. as real men and women, and um, and that um, I absolutely support. But um, the new genderqueer fluid uh, politics that are coming through um, are things I've been talking about since forever, and because I know that it isn't. Simple chromosomally, hormonally, there are over seven hundred different intersex conditions. Transsexuality maybe just one of them. You know, historically, hijras, two-spirited people, all the different variants that have been bred out of us and slain as witches and you know, murdered at birth. Those, those, and cuts—the way that that you, know, if, if your penis wasn't long enough at birth. You, you were just turn into a girl because it was easier to make a hole than a pole, <laughs> uh, as they say. So I've learned all about those things in later life, but I, I grew up feeling like it wasn't fair that boys got to do supposed to sit quietly and ladylike. And I was a joker in school. Um, and a, the teachers loved and hated me because I caused so much entertainment. Um so it's carried on that way, I think. And I, I love playing with gender, for, but for, for a lot of people, it isn't a game. And, of course, it isn't when you think about the culturally mm. the inequalities. That I would have loved happily. to have been so, at
3: school with you and, and to see how <laughs> that played out. I would have loved out. to
0: be at school with you. <laughs> Yay. When I was teaching in schools, I kind of had to, had to phase out my, my feminine interview gear um a little bit but I ended up with a glee club that oh, was wow. full of baby baby gay boys and, and and baby dykes years ago and before perhaps some of them even knew it is those circles happen in life you know totally. seven year cycles and all that
1: what was the repertoire of your glee club
0: yeah because we did this uh, project with the local uh, disability care place that was for quite extreme people who suffered quite, you know, it was a mixture of all, and some of the people that were there were s- mentally so bang on. Uh, and those people we collaborated with to create a show and they came into the school and we performed this this show for all of the, and it was about raising awareness of disability because a lot of the, the the disabled clients had been in, abused and had things thrown at kids Um, so we created this educational fun piece where I got pied in the face with some whippy cream or whatever because I was being a disrespectful supermarket manager uh, who wasn't allowing disabled people access to the store and yeah whatever like issues about them not being able to reach things so it was it was pretty simple and basic Um, but uh, that's interesting you ask because i've gone on a journey of integrating sign into an interpretation into my into my work so it's accessible which is really important to me as well it's about working with different people on the periphery uh, in politics of allegiance um
3: for me i really like to incorporate bsl into my work as well Um, because it just feels like it's just another layer of that work as well, because of the way that, you know, I speak and say things and and use gesture as well. It just feels like it's it's automatically connected somehow. I was going to ask you as well about, like, when you look at your work, when we look at the work online, it feels like the images that you create, the photographs, you know, they could be publicity shots or they could be, Um, documentation it feels like that feels really uh, a significant part of the work too and I wondered how you felt about performing for the the camera like the the stills camera do you do you see that as part of your performance
0: it's easier to create shots of yourself with a still and do that yourself in a empty room or in my cellar which is what I've mostly done. And the remote control for the camera doesn't often, always work. But back in the day, I used to just set it to 10 seconds and then run behind it
3: (laughs) and flip the little
0: screen over so I could try and position myself.
3: The photographs are so good. That's what I've
0: ended up doing recently in the cellar. Um, Obviously, I've also had lovely photographers take awesome shots of me as well. But yeah, you don't document your own live performance stuff as much as perhaps you should or you didn't in the past. Uh, but now online, you know, try and make sure we do that. Um, but there's so much stuff that I've done that's never been filmed or photographed much, for sure. Um, and I'm trying to do that more now. Um, but the, yeah, the recent shots that I took, it's it, I did ones that reflected on 15 years ago and I took six photos that were old and I created six ones that were new and that was obviously post-surgery, post-testosterone, uh, post-tattoos. Well, that was a really interesting process. And I've done done this one hanging upside down on this bar in my cellar. Um, I used to be able to, to do all kinds of gymnastics. My God, my arms after but That's what happens,
3: you know. When I first met you, you were so fit, Whoa. you were so like gym fit. Are you still that person?
0: Oh, you're such a charmer, Tom, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, you're... I've, I've been really looking forward to be involved in your oral history project. <laughs> Every time you say that, it makes me giggle. You... <laughs> yeah so yeah i guess i did used to be really fit in in lots of ways um yeah my surgery uh just i'm i'm a one in ten thousand that doesn't dissolve dissolvable stitches
3: okay Uh, how does that so
0: my surgery turned into was ridiculous um and that really affected my arms and my whiplash and you know, like my, my 16 year old dog who I used to run with every day. I, you know, it's things like that. It's, uh, it was like taking care of an, of an elderly person at times. Um, and my, my younger one is getting older too now, but she, she's amazing still. And I do go out on runs with her. Um, during lockdown I've, I've had to I have to get out otherwise I go insane um, so I'm just glad that I've got a bit of open space near me you know like and wonder what happens to people that can't have access to that um, at all because I need to be in nature um, and that's part of being physically fit as well for me because you're kind of a bit more connected I'm not into gyms and all that stuff like I run to get away from people right Where are you based? I'm in Manchester. Ah, okay. I'm I'm in Chorton, which is now this really gentrified little art, well, it was very hippie, queer, and now it's full of very gentrified people, but it's got loads of greenery around it. Um, So so I'm really lucky.
1: Are you in heavy lockdown now in Manchester?
0: Yeah, pretty much. It's it's gone crazy since all the students came back here and, and a lot of international ones and they've locked down various MMUs, uh, uh, dorms and all the rest of it. Cause it's just a, a site for contagion and uh, that's caused all kinds of issues with the surrounding locals. And yeah, you know, it's, I just feel like there's so many people hit really hard by this. And I'm, I've got the privilege
3: of being safe, you know, Yeah, that's how I feel as well. Yeah.
1: Um, So how have you found it in lockdown? How have you managed to flex your artistic muscle, as it were?
0: Well, I haven't. I've been, uh, as I said, repairing loads of damage by my next-door neighbour's ridiculous extension um, and painting and filling holes. And um, it's kept me busy, and that's been great. And I've done a few little creative things. But it, it really shifts the way you think about what art does and why and, and what can it change and what the future of of art, and in general, every society in the world, and uh, you, you kind of want to do something that matters and makes a difference. Um, so we're all shifting how that's done, and it, it, it's changing the way that everything's going to be and the way everything looks, and we need to, to shift things on a really big level um on a global level don't we to to move forward from extinction ultimately uh (laughs) this is a big wake-up call
3: well we uh, we had had a little we had a little chat yesterday on the telephone and we both were talking about the david attenborough documentary which then i watched um and it was very interesting in terms of like the well the lack of insects we need more insects in our life
0: yeah so watch it in little stages because i just get too overwhelmed with it the vastness of it all because it is it's that we're all interconnected isn't it as humans but as as animals and on the planet and um we're not working together and when i was younger i was fighting for that in terms of gender and and theater and I thought the inequality of man-woman between the species was the root of so much... Pre- it's not. It's, you know, knowing that it's class, race, location, essentially capitalism, and the young people are just calling for a, a bigger change on the planet and we're not able to work together um, above and beyond money. So it does. It, what, what am I doing and Why? And what do I need to do? Because ultimately I need to feel like I'm getting up in the morning for something really important. And everybody needs that. So I'm sure loads of people have been re-evaluating as artists, particularly. Um, but um, it's ironic that, you know, the lowest paid NHS workers that were about to be privatised, you know, we are all now relying on. So it's there are systems that that aren't speaking for the people um, on so many levels. And, and all this lockdown makes you sit with it. And I, there's only so much politicians fighting on the news you can watch. Mm, um, totally. And it, it's a bigger spiritual issue. Because we want the the LGBTQI history of our ancestors and mapping that so it doesn't disappear. But, you know, if we disappear as a species the the rate we 're going to it won't matter
3: we're all, I think all of us are interested in in the history you know and trying to find our stories reflected in in the past and I wondered whether you could talk a little bit about the man woman of Manchester um, yeah and and particularly actually it, whether you found any you know resonance in, in your own life within that story Harry Stokes.
0: The Man and Woman of Manchester, one of the first Victorian trans pioneers, was produced for LGBT History Month in 2016 as a three-quarters of an hour play uh, that premiered, um, and it's about developing that piece of work to full production with bits of history, stories added that were omitted slash uh, recently been found um, to, to create a piece of work that perhaps will be seen in the flesh and also having video to it because to, to create art in an uncertain climate at the moment uh, is very difficult. So using, using film a lot more so that I've done in the past with, with live um, performances, the way forward. So Harry Stokes... Um, was found in the Manchester Canal assumed to have fallen drunk or killed himself and the show starts with me on the mortuary slab being addressed and prepared by a working class lady of the time and I suddenly sit up as she undoes my trousers and so the story unfolds and we flash back into various scenes that that speak of different stages in his life with different partners that that he'd had. And, um, the writer, Abby Hines, um, is a young lesbian writer who wants to work with me to develop the, the, the trans side of things. So Harry has a voice that's translatable to a modern day audience. Um, and the team we work with were fantastic. Um, and they're all into developing it more. So since, uh, Manchester People's History Museum are such an amazing resource. We're hoping to go back there again to to develop that and uh, maybe work with other organisations to um, to possibly tour it beyond as well. Um, we're thinking two thousand and twenty
3: two. And tell us about. You the- saw me do
0: a little little five minute broadcast I, about.
3: We, we want to know about. Harry, the- um, we want to know about the wooden and penis. And I showed you his... You're going to say it. We want to know about the wooden penis.
0: Is there a delay? Yeah, there
3: is a bit of a delay. I have to go and get it. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We're oh. talking about the wooden penis. Yeah. This is- we want to know about <laughs> the wooden penis. <laughs> I mean, who, who wouldn't want to know about the wooden penis, right? Because, you know, my friend Alec is a sculptor and he he does a lot of stuff with wood. Uh,
1: Well, he's doing a whole kind of sex toy thing at the moment, isn't he?
3: He would be a good guest, actually.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) Look at that.
0: Uh, It's actually an ashtray where the balls are supposed to collect the ash. And it was ordered off the internet as a wooden carving. And when I lay down on the mortuary slab it was a bit too long. So I had an erection. (laughs) (laughs) The the stage manager had to take it off home and and (laughs) saw the balls off. Oh, wow. Uh, So this is another one that I ordered because the existing one is with, uh, the guy who produced it for LGBT history Month originally, who, um, he's, he's got a few, uh, victorian gender bending plays
3: i just want to try out that wooden penis (laughs) you can call me a dirty bitch if you want
0: yeah it's it's a bit hard that's why i want to try it out
1: (laughs) a lot of lubricant Um, do you think you might get a few splinters from it or not
0: yeah you need something It's a nice size, to be fair, you know. But, I, you know that that's nowhere near a decent sex toy. I'm afraid I've got very high standards when it comes to that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure we all have.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was listening to one of the podcasts as well a few weeks ago, and somebody said something something like if if someone pulls out a sex toy, it takes everything out of the sexiness for me um, and that's really interesting about the imagination and how different appendages of body parts or fear dicks or silicon dicks um, and can be thinking of what they can do uh, technology wise with uh, different construction stuff they can do so that makes me think of cybertronics and the future of the future Bodies of sex in a different way.
1: Uh, but well, during lockdown, I imagine when we were all alone in our flats, <laughs> uh, I for one certainly used a few sex toys. <laughs> Maybe that is the future. That's our new normal.
0: Well, I only found out about this only fans site recently, um, and it makes. Me feel like a bit of an old person in the dark with technology sometimes because everything moves so fast. But intersex and trans people are, are making ten thousand a week online because you have followers like you do on Twitter or Facebook that pay to see your videos. Um so even women ironing topless or whatever it is 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 you know replacing the sex workers that used to exist on the street in Manchester when I moved here 20 years ago, because people are using online services now, and it makes us more connected, uh, but disconnected at the same time.
3: Yeah, I think a... you could make a killing on OnlyFans. I would much. <laughs> it's your new art form. <laughs>
1: what
0: about you, Tom? <laughs> What about you? Have you? Would you about ever? Or Bernie, would you go down that route ever?
1: Well, it's interesting. We've we've actually got a question relating to that in our Queens of Agony section. So, um, if if you're happy to be in the pantheon of old queens, Joey, uh, shall we do some Queens of Agony questions? As time is getting on. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: Okay, so I'm going to do a big gong. Sure. And, uh, yeah, if you don't mind being uh, in our pantheon of old queens, you can answer some, some questions. But there is one relating to OnlyFans. So we'll save our OnlyFans anecdotes for then, if we might. But the first one is, uh, dear old queens, how long do you chat with someone on a dating app before asking to meet them or meeting up with you? I'm unsure... If I should chat with someone for weeks and then ask them out or ask them out straight away. I get tired of endless chatting on apps, but I feel most people may feel it's creepy or desperate to ask someone out after one or two chats. What do you think?
3: Well, I think that the, um, I would like it to continue a little bit longer than it usually does because people often want to just meet immediately and I I like to chat. I also just like to chat to sort of faceless profiles just because you know there's no there's not many other people to chat to. Um so I would say I mean I don't want to chat for weeks before I meet someone but I do want to have a chat. I want to know a little bit about their uh, social political um perspectives right um and sort of a little bit about what they what they what their expectations are although i don't want to blow by bare account of what they want to do because i find that quite dull
2: It
1: kind of removes the mystery doesn't yeah. it how about you joey how long do you chat on an app before meeting up with someone if you're on the apps you might not be
0: i, I used to be on grinder yeah um I don't do dating apps, really. It was an experiment uh, because loads of guys would be freaked out by the fact that I didn't have a real dick, Um, and some would be intrigued. But in any shape or format, you kind of want to dialogue a little bit with someone to find out who they are before it's safe to pass on your you know, WhatsApp to video chat with them or your personal details uh, because no one wants a stalker. But, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And that would make sense to to get to know somebody online first, wouldn't it? Um, Almost pre-first date meeting because at the moment we're not really allowed to to meet up safely. Um, Well, well,
1: no, it's illegal, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) At the moment although I'm sure people are (laughs) as David said last week being gay was illegal for ages anyway so you know (laughs) it's by the by in our uh, kind of uh, scene as it were I think yeah I think you want to get to know someone before you before you actually meet up with them it depends what's happening it depends if you if it's like an immediate sex meet or whether it's whether you're uh, meeting someone potentially for a date, I imagine you want to know a little bit more about them in COVID times, don't you? Yeah. Know a little bit more about their background and, and be a bit safer as we have a social responsibility these days. I don't need to know their
3: national insurance number. <laughs>
1: what? what uh. Why did you ask for mine then? Um, I think just go with the flow with this. Maybe maybe you ask someone out immediately. Depends if they ask you out. I mean, you know, it's it's all a bit fluid uh, in terms of dating. Um, shall we move on to the next question? Yes. Because we want to get to the OnlyFans one, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I don't know much about that either, but everybody's all over the internet, aren't they? So everybody's got some kind of social media account, so you can find out stuff about people a little bit before you kind of meet up. Um, and often we're all tailored to meet people of similar views and so on anyway on social media. Cause that's what they do Yeah. Uh, behind the scenes in their programming. So yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
3: If we, you message we, someone we on WhatsApp, they immediately it. connect to your Facebook somehow.
0: It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's all that, all that magic.
3: Um, Okay. Uh,
1: We've got one more question before we get to the OnlyFans thing. So, dear old queens, uh, again, it's all about dating this week, I think. Why are attractive and popular guys so arrogant or mean to other guys, normal guys? Maybe it's just me, but I get the feeling that hot, attractive people are usually pretty arrogant to other people, especially on social media. They ignore pretty much everyone they think is not at their level. Do you, um, I mean, is that is that a product of of online dating and social media, or is it just in general? Did it used to happen in the nineties when we didn't have any of that shit?
3: I think there's something about those. Um, uh, or I'm talking about. I'm probably talking specifically about Grinder, mm. where you see people that have just so sort of muscly torso-y kind of profiles, right? And I. And they, they say things like, I only want to meet other muscled guys. Yeah. Or, like, And um, that is a bit dull, I suppose.
1: I remember like years ago, there was a guy that I think I'd seen on Gaydar. This is how long ago it was. And he was very kind of a beautiful body, very handsome. And I'd always kind of fancied him. And then one night I saw him in a bar and I approached him. And bought him a drink. And he was the most boring person I'd ever had a conversation with in my life. (laughs) And it was just like, so, you know, sometimes you don't judge a book by their cover, Mm. do you? Because actually, I think for me, there's a certain je ne sais quoi, there's something about a person's personality, which actually draws me to them, even in a kind of sexually attractive way. I don't know, what do you think? It's not all about being big, buff and beautiful. But it helps. But- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I don't, I don't actually think that. I mean, what do you, what do you think, Joey?
2: I
0: was thinking about the sex dolls that you, I think you guys mentioned previously in another episode. Oh, yes. Um, that, that Hitler made. Oh, and the kind of Yeah, the kind of futuristic, films that are coming out about that. Um, and yeah, that's, that's again, using combined with the real life, isn't it? Um, to so speaking to someone online on a, a zoom call or whatever, you can start to bridge those gaps. Um, but, uh, there is something about body energy mm. and it starts mentally. And once you've got that mental connection, there has to be an element of physical. But yeah, that that energy is real. And I guess that's what a lot of people are probably missing a lot of yeah. during lockdown. Because, you know, you can feel, you, I can feel the, ne- the hairs on the back of my neck going up when I talk about what it's like to physically be close to somebody when you've got that energy between you.
1: Totally. And you don't get that from a little gif on an app you get that by seeing someone physically don't you uh i think i've had dates where like blind dates in the in the day as it were where you'd seen pictures of people that you thought you were attracted to and then you meet them and then instantly you know that you're not and then other other people that perhaps you thought you weren't attracted to and then you meet them in the flesh and you know that you are attracted to them uh i think there's yeah, it's very human to be uh to meet someone physically And I think that's when you know whether you're attracted to someone or not.
3: It's not just about the pictures. I think it's, just going back to the question, I think it's really, I think it would be really good if we all, you know, the people that are sort of kind, generous, sensitive people, I'm including all of us in that. um, Speak for yourself. (laughs) Could just go, could just sort of not, not stand for that kind of level of arrogance around those people and just be like, I, I'm not buying into it, you know. You may be like super buff, but you're a wanker. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like what's what's the point? Yeah, I think I'm not putting out tonight. <laughs>
1: yeah, just because of who you are or who you think you are. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting the modern times that we live in. Um, I'm going to move on to the next one because it's the only fans question. Shall I? I do. Let's do. We want to do this question, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, sure. dear old Queens, how do you react to OnlyFans guys? Some guys with OnlyFans are paid to perform sexual acts. Do you view them as sex workers? Would you date a guy or
3: girl with an OnlyFans page? Why? Why not? I would certainly date someone that had an OnlyFans page. I wouldn't rule that out um considering all of us probably need to get an
1: OnlyFans page to make ends meet in the future i mean i don't think i, w- I don't think it's gonna really get much money for me
3: <laughs> well i wouldn't i wouldn't say that tommy i actually had a patreon account i still do actually have a patreon account which is slightly different because it's just about people investing in me as an artist But I had to email everyone saying, I'm not really putting out much content for you and I think that you should unsubscribe. (laughs)
1: Do you, do you think that's what OnlyFans people do as well? <laughs> <laughs> I'm only doing the ironing this week, so maybe you should unsubscribe.
3: <laughs> and it, was lo- it was lovely because I had three people that were investing, I think they were investing £10 each, and that was £30 a month. And, you know, actually, I can actually do quite a lot with £30 a month, but I don't feel like they were getting much for that money. So I decided to say, you know, I, I, this is me giving you the option to to um, retreat, but there will be more um, adventures soon, and I'll let you know when that is arising. Okay.
0: Did you not think about doing the ironing naked? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I haven't gone on iron. Uh,
0: no. <laughs> I hate ironing as well. Yeah, it's not. It's not but, a thing that, that I like that's, to
1: do. Yeah. What do you think? Would you date someone who had an OnlyFans site?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm all up for sex positive uh, work and it comes in all different shapes and sizes and it's the oldest profession on the planet and we should celebrate our sexuality rather than be shamed by it and it's the only way we're allowed to play as adults that has been taken away from us. Um, Through religion and reproductive rights and little nuclear family bubbles so the queer kind of polyamory is for me the way forwards so that we can stop overpopulating the planet and Mm. have lots of fun while we're doing it
1: Totally, Uh, I don't care if someone's got an OnlyFans site, I I think good on them (laughs) they can buy me dinner with it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay moving on this is our final question um dear old queens uh and joey although you're 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 included in our uh, pantheon um <laughs> is it you. is it wrong to prefer cuddling over sex i like the softness of someone's skin the body heat the intimacy that shit's amazing and much in in uh, in capital letters, more fulfilling than sex. I feel like I've reached a point where I have to tell myself I still do like sex, rather than genuinely liking it. I don't know. Maybe I like it, just not a lot. What do you What do you think? Cuddling over sex?
3: Well, I think it's down to the, the individuals, really. Like if 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 the other person's happy with the cuddles, mm. then then. Go for it, really. Lots of people on the apps are after a cuddle buddy. But
1: I imagine they want sex, not just a cuddle. But cuddle's amazing. What do you think, Joey?
0: Yeah. I think it makes me think of the, the asexual bracket at the end of LGBT and and the different ways people get pleasure. Um, and as long as you're over be like a a C added onto the end of the never-ending LGBTQ.
1: The alphabet. You know, for cuddles,
0: because it's all about the love. Oh, it should be. That's it lovely. should be all about the
1: love.
0: You know? I, I, we all need more cuddles. When
1: I think so. I mean, We're but, not
0: allowed to cuddle people. We're not
1: allowed to. COVID has, yeah. has, has made us give up cuddles, but I'm I'm ready for the day when cuddles are back in fashion.
3: We aren't sort of sneaking them in when we can. <laughs> totally. <laughs>
0: there was something online um, that I saw with um, a young man who made this machine uh, with these big arm holes he could cuddle his nan with, but also oh. being behind a protective screen. and it, So it wasn't a machine doing it, but um, that's the future, isn't it? Um sadly in a way um, or it could, be, it could be because we're all kind of using machines and sex toys and and so on and meeting online and you can have sex with somebody who's across the other side of the world to you online um, so as much as you can with somebody who's just up the road when you find them on grinder mm. so whatever works for you um isn't it enjoy when ready- you can when you can
1: I'm ready for a full sensory bodysuit, which kind of protects people from COVID, but you can still have a cuddle. Uh, I'm happy to go clubbing with that as well.) I
0: want one of them. Yeah. I'll meet you in a dungeon anywhere, anytime, any place.: You're on Brilliant.
1: Joey, thank you so much for being our guest I on this if episode.. You may-
0: Thank you so much for asking me to be part of your podcast. And I'm going to fantasize about you both being in virtual reality suits now <laughs> and as being somewhere in our ultra imaginations. Yeah, well, I used Thank to do this thing image. with
3: my housemates where where we used to sort of go, right, let's meet up in our dreams tonight and have a really good time. Let's meet on the top of the Eiffel Tower or something like that. We could all do that tonight. I mean, maybe maybe this
1: this is the future. So we we can have a virtual virtual dance and a virtual cuddle, but actually feel it as well. That's what
0: I want. And I will bring from two hundred years ago. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, bring the wooden penis.
1: Bring the. (laughs) (laughs) Joey, thank you so much uh, for being our guest. A little
0: bit of lube.
1: Sounds like you need a lot of lube for that.
0: No, you would, actually.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I think a bucket I'm load.
0: I'm trying to sound as if I haven't, <laughs> if I haven't tried it. I mean, it would be wrong not to. Right. You know, I'm a method actor.
1: Of course.
0: Method, I have to use...
1: We all I go for the method. <laughs>
0: every, every time old school
1: all the way <laughs> joey say goodbye to our lovely listeners thank you so much for being our guest
0: thank you for having me lovely listeners uh, and thank you so much you'd be tonight
1: <laughs> it's been our pleasure tommy say goodbye goodbye everyone <laughs> goodbye <laughs> we will see you next time on that old queen You have been listening to What? That Old Queen? Written and presented by Tom Marshman and Bernie Hodges. The show was produced by Bernie Hodges for Hodge Podcasting in the year 2020. If you have a Queens of Agony question, or you'd like to be a guest, or if you'd like to sponsor one of our shows, you can email hello at thatoldqueen.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter.